That was great. That was great. So I'd like everybody, if we could, to turn over to First Timothy chapter six. I'm just going to share out of this one uh, one passage here, and then uh, and then Sue's going to uh, say a few things and share a few things. But um, it is great to be together. I wanted to say good morning again, and um, and this morning I want to talk about my title is is truly life, truly life, and I'd like us just to spend just a moment in prayer as we get into the scriptures this morning. So, so uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we just, uh, we need you so much. Father, our, our leaves get, our leaves get, uh, ungreen so quickly. Father, that we lose strength. Uh, oftentimes we can, we can lose hope. God, we can, we can face the challenges that we face and we don't feel like we have the energy and the strength to really do it. And yet, Father, I know that that's really you calling us back to you, Father, because you are the source of love and strength and hope and, and faith and, and Father, we need you desperately. And sometimes, Father, we don't want to feel like we need we need you, but we really do. And Father, thank you for being so faithful to your promises, so faithful that when we get on our knees or when we go out on a starry night and we just talk to you, Father, when we go for a walk in the woods, that Father, you're there and you speak to us and you love us and you nourish our soul and you encourage our hearts. Father, you fill up our minds with noble and good thoughts and um we thank you for that, God. Please lead us and guide us in your word this morning. Father, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Inspire us and encourage us and strengthen us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it seems to me that um, that we're consistent, consistently facing these, these two roads that kind of diverge in the wood. You know, we're facing these, these, these two choices. And we've got to make a choice. We're faced with this kind of simple, this simple um, uh, kind of these roads ahead of us. And, and one road is sort of this road of chasing, of chasing after the fake life. And I'm just going to call it the fake life for lack of a better term. But this one road it offers us, it offers us all this stuff, but it's, but it's, it's, it's fake and it doesn't really work. And we kind of know that over and over because of the results that we see happening on that road, but still tempts us. And we still want to run down that road. And so we're trying to be wise to that. We're trying to be smart to that, but that's a temptation for us. And, and so that's one of the roads. But then we're also faced with this, this other, this other road. And this road is really about taking hold of the life that's truly life, taking hold of the life that God presents to us, that we can live that Jesus modeled for us, that we can live. It's a heart that's, it's a, it's, it's a life that's, that's not lived out of sort of one part of who we are, but it's lived out of our whole life, our heart, our soul, our mind, our, our body. It's, it's, it, it's a life that's about living according to God's design, um, you know, physically and mentally and spiritually and emotionally. But so oftentimes it's a hard path. It's a difficult path. And uh it's kind of like the path. I, I love one of my favorite poems, even before moving to Vermont, is, you know, The Road Less Traveled by, by Robert Frost. And, you know, he talks about two roads diverged in the wood. And and he talks about those two uh, two roads. And then he says he took the road less traveled by, and that's made all the difference. And as I look back on my own life, I see that to be true over and over and over. When I've, when I've chosen the fake life, 
the road that leads to fake life. It's, it's often easier. It, you know, it's, it's a road that, that often kind of, you know, uh, comes more naturally. It feels like it's more comfortable. It makes a lot of great promises, but I find that when I walk down that road, that it doesn't bring the results that I was hoping for. And oftentimes leads to even a deeper despair or a deeper sense of disappointment or a deeper sense of emptiness and loneliness. It's kind of like that play, you know, it talks about in, in Jeremiah 17, that parched place where no one lives. And even when good things are happening, it's hard to enjoy them because, because of just the, the, the emptiness and the, uh, the famine that we find on that road. And so I wanted to read, uh, first Timothy chapter six, starting in verse 17. You know, uh, Ryan and I were talking about this a few weeks ago and I was referring to this, this passage in first Timothy chapter six that really, it's really helped me over and over. And, uh, and I wasn't totally sure of the verses. So Ryan, here are the verses. It's verses 17 and 19. But it talks about taking hold of the life that's really life and, and, and grabbing it and being proactive about it and being active in that. And in that, in that, when we look at those two roads that are diverging in wood, that we would, that we would trust God and we would trust his ways and we would, we would choose that road and we would choose it consistently. And when we start going down the other road that we go, oh, God still gives me that chance to come back or, or to go down his road again, that he, his mercy and his grace allows that and, and enables us to do that. But it's, 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 it's such a contemporary passage to me. It, it doesn't, isn't just speaking to people 2000 years ago. It's speaking to, to us. And, uh, and it's, it's a letter from Paul to Timothy, who's facing a lot in, in Ephesus and he's trying to help him to be a leader uh, in the church there, a minister in the church there that's really helping those who are wealthy. And, and so he says this in verse, in verse 17, it says, command those who are rich in this present world. He says, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's so much in there, you know, God richly providing for us and not just providing for stuff that this long list of stuff that we have to do because he's trying to, trying to, uh, you know, kind of take away all the joy out of life, but, but he's really wanting to, to help us to enjoy life and to live life to the full and to, and to really experience the life that that's truly life. You know, the thief the thief, Satan and all his schemers and all his ways, the thief is trying to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus has come that we can have life and have it to the full. That God has provided us everything for our enjoyment. It's interesting right here because God doesn't say wealth is bad. He doesn't say money is bad. But what he does say is don't put your help in it. Don't, don't put your hope in wealth. Wealth, material, financial wealth is not God. It's not the wellspring of life. There's not the nourishment and the, the help there that it promises. God is God. And let's put our hope in God who, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. He says, command them to do good, to do good, to be rich in good deeds. You know, speaking there to what Jesus says is really all of our, all of our, uh, our mission in life, our purpose in life. It's to use our, our unique gifts that we have. To use our, our unique life to serve and to do good 
and to help others. He says, be good. Do do good. He says, be rich in good deeds. And don't just be rich in finances or rich in whatever it is that that we're sometimes chasing after. But to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Wow, if if we can have that spirit among us where we're sharing our gifts with one another, we're sharing our blessings with one another. It's amazing because we see again in the example of Jesus that when we share what we have, it multiplies. It's kind of crazy because we may not even have much, but when we share what little we have with others, then it, it somehow seems to multiply into more, kind of like the loaves and the fishes on the side of the hill. When they shared it, God multiplied it. And he says, uh, in this, in this way, and, and, and those things we're just talking about, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that's truly life. Now, I was kind of going through just a little list of my own past week. And, uh, you know, this past week has, has been challenging in a lot of ways, but but I've been so richly blessed. And I think sometimes it's just good to go back in and just and just celebrate the good to see to see what's right in the world to see what's good in the world and and to and to and to celebrate it and to and to focus on it and and to to kind of you know just let it let it permeate who we are you know this week um or, or last week i guess it was i had an mri and so i was had an mri on my shoulder so i was put into the mri machine for about a half hour and literally I was terrified, especially in those first five minutes. You know, they put you in that little tank, in that little, in that little shell, in that little tube. And I, I was surprised at how scared I got. I was surprised at how it affected me. And I really had, I really had to turn my attention to God. I started praying. <laughs> I started just asking God to help me. I started trying to focus on, uh, on, on the good and not my fears. And it really, it just really taught me a lot just because, because it was really kind of a scary time. I didn't have control. I was, I was locked. I couldn't move my arms. They told me I couldn't, especially my left arm. I shouldn't move it. And so anyhow, I, I, I was, I was surprised at how scared I felt, but then I was also reminded of how, boy, it's so many different times. I've got to, I've got to send out my roots by the stream. I've got to send out my roots by the good stuff and look to God and not put my hope in wealth, but put my hope in him. But you know, this past week, I, you know, I've had some really great times walking with God. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling, I, I, you know, the, the effects of Lyme are wearing off, so I'm sleeping well. Um, you know, I'm able to get up, you know, in the morning and really devote myself to God early in the morning. I just love that. It just brings me so much strength and joy as I'm walking with Him. You know, the brothers in my life team, we had a prayer time this past week, and there was just something awesome to, uh, uh, you know, just walking together on Zoom and just praying together. I was down by the Winooski River. It was a full moon. And I was just reminded of, of God's nourishment. And the Winooski River looked so happy because it had actually water in it. And it was bubbling and it was flowing. It was so encouraging, just praying with the guys and going down by the stream. You know, I was, we had the, the, the leaps and the slaters came over on Friday night. And it was just great to, you know, of course, we're, we're trying to socially distance but it's just great to get some fellowship in. And of course, Car- Carolyn brought over uh, her baked bread wow. and Jeanette brought over her apple crisp. 
And of course, in that moment, I'm reminded of all the good things in life. And that, and, 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 and that God has created apple crisp and homemade bread for my enjoyment. And it was really good. It's really a great time. You know, um, you know, it was really fun being over at the meters yesterday. We're sitting out in their, in their, in their, their, their palatial uh, estate over there, the farm and just having a great conversation. And, you know, the geese kept coming over in their V formation. And that's kind of a sign to, to sue from God. I am with you. And so there was one time where there's about a hundred geese flocking together. And I don't know what it is. The geese seem really fired up to go down to warm weather, which makes us a little bit afraid. Like, okay, maybe we should kind of join them <laughs> and head on down. But you know, there's all sorts of signs and it was really cool just getting a chance to share our hearts, you know, uh, with, uh, for Sue and I, uh, with, with, uh, the meters. We love those guys so much. We were just, we saw some being out there in the, in the, in the grass, talking, sharing our hearts together, being together, and, and enjoying the things of God, the blessings of God. You know, uh, Zach and Jess made us dinner last Friday night and came over. That was a feast, and it was just great to connect there. And, you know, these things don't have anything to do with <clears throat> putting our hope in wealth. It's it's God, and it's it's one another, and it's the simple things in life. Um you know, at our family table talk last Saturday, it was really cool. Shelby and Emily came and Neffs came and we just had a great time. It's just set out under a tree over at, over at the park and just enjoy one another's company, talk about some deep things and, uh, and just connect and share. And, uh, and it was really super encouraging. I don't know if you guys were at Margaret's, Margaret's, uh, uh, um, I, I called it an award ceremony, but her, her investiture. over at UVM the other day, last week. It was awesome. Margaret, congratulations. What an honor. And her acceptance speech was incredible. Margaret, you are incredible. And, uh, and you know, I was just, I was really moved just by Margaret's uh, impact in the workplace and her impact on her colleagues. And of course, the president of the university spoke and and, uh, all sorts of you know, people there from and dignitaries there from the uh, from the med school. Congratulations, Margaret! Uh, it was it was awesome. It was so encouraging. It was just encouraging to see to see um, you know uh, my sister in the Lord just uh, using her gifts to serve and making such an impact doing that in her profession. It was just just beautiful. And then Sue, of course, this morning meets a, another woman from that lives in our apartment complex that's actually an attending. And of course, who does she know right away? It's Margaret. She's like, Oh yeah, I know Dr. Tanda. I know Margaret. And uh, it's like, it's like almost like mentioning like Michael Jordan in Chicago. It's sort of like this awe. Who go, Margaret, Dr. Margaret Tando. And there's just sort of a moment of silence <laughs> as people are just so impressed by her. And uh, Margaret, congratulations. And I consider it an honor just to, to, to know you. And, um, that's for sure. It was really, really great. You know, uh, Nick preached, uh, this past Sunday in, in, uh, North River Church in Atlanta. And I was just, I just, I just felt proud. Nick, my son. And I just felt really proud. I really learned a lot from what he spoke about. And it just it was just a blessing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got some great chance to talk to my mom. You know, my mom's going through some real health challenges and our family's really coming together through that. And it's just, it just, it just makes me cherish those conversations with my, with my mom and dad. As, as we go through different things, 
you know, our, our life team had a meeting the other night on Friday night. And I don't know about your life team, but our life team is in total disarray right now. And the top city devos, we, I don't know, man, we're trying to figure it out. We're trying to get our act together. <laughs> I mean, the one good thing is we like, like belly laugh through all of our meetings. And so, um, anyway, so, but we're coming together. We're getting our calendar together and it's been a lot of fun. But I just, again, I feel blessed in that. And, and of course, last, uh, last Sunday, we had our life team time together. And again, I, I'm, I feel bad for you guys because you don't have the, Slater girls, maybe in your life team, but the Slater girls down by, down, you know, at the riverside, down, down, by, down by the, the Slater riverside. river is what I call it, is, uh, down by the riverside. They cooked, they brought all the fixins and the, um, the, uh, the grill down there and the Slater girls made this big breakfast for us, bacon, blueberry pancakes. It was incredible. And, uh, Euro preached with his two girls there right with them. It looked like Jesus and, and the little kids, kids crowding around him. Did an, did an awesome job. But again, what a picture of all the blessings that we get to enjoy in our lives. Um, you know, we're studying with, uh, Nate and Keegan out at the, on the deck on the overlooks the, uh, the, uh, uh, Winooski River and just talking about some, some real things of the heart. But it was awesome just studying the Bible together yesterday and, and sharing one another, sharing with one another our lives, you know, the gospel in our lives as well. It's just nothing like that. And, uh, and so that was really, really awesome. And, uh, and so tonight, guys, I get, I get to sort of top off my week with a cherry on top because I get to watch the Laker game with, with my McKenzie. And so we're going to get sort of, you know, ready. I don't know if we're going to get the wings out. But guys, I get to go on a date this morning with like the most beautiful young woman in the world to me. And of course it's virtual because she's in Atlanta, but uh, I get to go on a date with her and watch the Laker game. Who gets that? Well, I do. And um, I'm the most blessed man ever. And I really think God wants us all to feel that way because you are the most blessed person ever. And that's how we really should feel about our lives because God gives us everything. He loves us. He gives us everything for our enjoyment. He, uh, he, he walks with us. He, he, uh, he commends us. And I, I really want to commend you. I, I really, I've been so impressed and so thankful and grateful for all of you because I, I love that song where it says, you know, I, I see in you the glory of our King. And that's how I feel about the Burlington Church is, is I see you taking hold of the life that's truly life. And I know we're wrestling. I know it's a struggle and I know it's, it's, it's tougher sometimes than others, but I see that and it, and it really, it really stands out to me. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say as, as a big brother in the Lord, I just want to say that I'm really proud of you and I'm really grateful for the way that each of you are fighting the good fight and, and you're, you're, you're going for it. You're not giving up, you're persevering. And, uh, I just really, really appreciate that. It inspires me to, uh, to, to try to, take hold of that life that God has for me uh, in, in, in my own life and in my own family. So thank you. It's really a privilege and an honor to be in life together with you. And, uh, and so, you know, Sue's going to share a few things. And if we could turn over to Hebrews chapter one, because Jesus really gave us the example. He really modeled for us what it means to take hold of the life that's truly life. You know, it says in him was life and that life was the light of man. 
And Jesus valued and prioritized the important stuff. And he teaches us to do the same. Uh, and so that we don't have to waste our lives. We don't have to get to the end of our lives and say, you know, and feel anything but, but a sense of accomplishment because we really lived it well, because we get to follow the greatest life liver and life giver of all time. And so Sue's going to take it over from here. Uh, thanks, babe. Um, good morning, everybody. I get to share about my favorite thing. And of course, it's Jesus. Like, I don't know, every time I even talk about him, I, I get emotional. But in um, Hebrews chapter one, I love this passage. I've been reading the book of Hebrews these last couple of weeks. Um, and just, again, trying to get back to making sure that my priority and my faith is remembering, you know, when they wrote the book of Hebrews, it's so much about realizing, no, you have a better covenant right here that he is reminding the Jewish people that, no, don't go back to the, those old ways. Jesus is supreme. And in John chapter, in Hebrews chapter one, you see this so much. And I just wanted to read this passage. It says, in the past, God spoke, verse one, to our ancestors, to the prophets many times and in many different ways. But now in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son. God has chosen his son to own all things. And through him, he made the world. The son reflects the glory of God and shows exactly what God is like. He holds everything together with his powerful word. When the son made people clean from their sins, he sat down at the right side of God the great one in heaven. The son became much greater than the angels and God gave him a name that is much greater than theirs. This is because God never said to any of the angels, you are my son. Today I've become your father. I love this passage because it just reminds me that when I get to look to Jesus, I see the exact representation of God. And sometimes for me, God was sort of up in the sky. Like I couldn't really understand him as as much as I could. But when I finally really got in touch with the real Jesus, when I read the book of John, I really got to see the mirror image of what God is really like. You know, it says here that he shows us exactly what God is like. You know, we speak English. And in my Passion Translation, it talks about in this passage, it says that Jesus is the language of God. So we speak the English language, but God speaks in his son. Jesus is the language of God. And, you know, it made me think of um, the love languages that so many of us have taken those kinds of tests or we talk to each other, like, so what's your love language? And I was just so blown away this week, just treasure hunting about all the ways that Jesus fulfills every single love language. It just blows you away. So quality time, we're going to talk about that. Words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, acts of service. And then if you kind of like wrap them all up together, we really are love languages being respected and having dignity that kind of represents them all. So I don't know which bent yours is. Um, mine is definitely words of affirmation, but I want to just go through and it was just amazing me how much my Jesus, you know, they say, if you want to know what God is like or how he feels about us, watch his son. Watch the way he interacts with people and that's what, watch the way he treats people. And that's how Jesus feels about me and you. You know, I think about quality time and I think about the woman at the well that Jesus was literally willing to have the longest conversation recorded in the Bible is about this woman. And not only was he not even supposed to associate with her, but he's just hanging with her with quality time. 
just amazes me. You know, I think about in, um, in, um, John chapter one, when the Andrew and the guys were like, well, we want to get to know you. And he's like, well, come see. And it says they spent the day with him. Like, wow, he was all about quality time. I think about Luke five, one of my favorite passages about Jesus is that he spent time. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You know, Jesus had the hangability factor. Jesus has the hangability factor and just the honor that he wants to hang with us, the riffraff that we are, the mess that we are, and just uh, that he totally embodies quality time. And we know this when he says to us in Matthew 28 and so many other places, I am with you always. I will never forsake you. I'm with you always. You can count on me. I'm available 24-7. Talk about quality time. You know, I think about words of affirmation and I think about John 10, 10, when Jesus says, I came to give you life to the full. Like what an awesome thing that have like that cheerleading poster I get to look at every day. Like Jesus is just like over and over again in the scriptures. He's, it's almost like he's holding up this banner of words of affirmation to go, Hey, how about this one? How about this one to keep you going through your day? You know, I think about Matthew 11, about words of affirmation in Matthew 11, 28. And Jesus says, Come to me if you're weary and I'll give you rest. Like what an incredible invitation and word of affirmation. Like I want to give you rest. Matthew 5 verse 14, Jesus tells us, you know, you're the light of the world, man. Just go light it up. He, he sees uh, that in our worst day, we're still the light of the world and we're salty. And we get that privilege to be able to kind of have someone going, yeah, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm going to tell you right now. Don't, who cares about that voice? My voice is telling you, you're mine and my treasure possession. Um, I think about Matthew 14, when Peter is trying to do something great with his life and take a step. You know how that is when we're trying to take a, a new step? And he says, Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And boy, I, I get the chance to be able to have him say that to me every day if I'll listen to his voice. You know, and I love in Matthew 9 when he says to the the um, woman who'd been really hurting for 12 years. And he says, your faith, my daughter has made you well. Mm-hmm. And just that words of affirmation over and over again of God expressing his love to us through his son, the language of love. You know, I think about physical touch and I think it's amazing to be able to look back at Matthew eight and look at the man with leprosy saying, if you're willing, you can make me well. And Jesus is unwilling and he could have just zapped him clean, but he touched him. Mm-hmm. He reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. I mean, how incredible during those times that he was willing to be able to, he could have done anything, but he's like, no, I'm going to touch you because you are touchable. You are important. The physical touch that he offered, the woman who's bleeding, he later on says to her, says to the crowd in Luke 8, he says, who touched me? Like it really mattered in the midst of the crowd that she knew that he felt that connection with her and that she touched him, power left him, but they were making a connection that touching him and connecting with him. You know, to me, I think so much physical touch is such a big um, challenge right now in the midst of isolation. Um, I know that's my daughter's physical, uh, that's physical touch is a lot of her, um, you know, her love language and just being able to, keep remembering that God can touch our hearts. He can hug our hearts. He can touch our mind. He can touch our soul. And when we spend time with him, we can see him. And of course we see him and 
yesterday I hugged, um, I, I try to ask people if I can hug them. So I hugged Steph like a sidewinder and I, but I hugged, um, I, I hugged, um, Chandra like I did my old roommate from college cause she's shorter than me. And I got to like, it was just like the feeling of like physically touching each other, just the honor to be able to kind of make that connection of what it does to your own psyche. But Jesus fulfilled all that, his willingness to touch the untouchable, um, to hug the, because we all need hugs, especially of our heart. I think about gifts, you know, gifts of salvation, gifts of forgiveness, gift of a clear conscience. Like, that's what I thank God a lot for. Like, I get to start over today. I have a clear conscience today. Gift of the Holy Spirit, gift of eternal encouragement, um, gift of hope, gift of purpose, creation imagination like I was talking to Helen about this but when I was out praying this morning the leaves were falling and so I always in my um when I was growing up the leaves used to fall and at our bus stop we used to try to see who could catch the most leaves before the bus came that's when you didn't need electronics you know you're like okay who can as there as the as the leaves are coming down and you know of course the leaves I just go okay this is God saying I will never leave you or forsake you you know so anyways but even those kind of things help me feel connected to God in that sense of the gifts he gives up in his creation and the the privilege to imagine what a gift he's given us and then the last thing um he talks about of course is acts of service and um and think about John 13 of Jesus literally stooping down to wash the dirtiest parts of us I mean, talk about being willing, talk about an act of love to stoop down, to make us great, to wash the dirtiest parts of the disciples of our own hearts. And then in John 19, he serves us by literally saying it is finished. Like I did this because I'm going to give you my life as a ransom for your, for your life. And just the honor and respect and dignity he showed us in saying that we are worth it. We are worth dying for. We are worth, we are worth it. You know, that's what I think about his act of service with us. And so I don't know which love language you are or what connects you the most, but I just am amazed that during this time of um, isolation or craziness that Jesus can still come through and God is trying to express his love to us in all these ways and respecting us and giving us dignity. And I hope as you think about him today, when we get to share communion that it is a time to reflect on all the ways that he wants to 24 7 connect with you on all your personal unique love languages so that you can feel whole and um and you can feel that connection with him that you are truly truly loved so that's what i had to share and i hope you're encouraged that you're loved So I want to ask you, what is, what is God saying to you this morning? And, you know, it's easy to be distracted by all the, all the worries of this life and all the stuff going on. It's easy to be distracted, even just looking around Zoom and seeing all the faces. I want you to ask yourself, how is, how is God trying to love you? And how can we connect with that this morning? Because really, as, as we look at the, as we take the bread, and, uh, you know, as we, as we remember that's the, that's the, that's the life of Jesus, the physical life lived among us as we drink the juice and we remember his blood, it's incredible love that he poured out for us, his sacrifice for us. As we listen to Sue 
you know, really talk about these love languages of, of God, um, trying to reach out to us. It's important that we kind of quiet ourselves a little bit and we listen. And we really listen to God's words to us and God's heart for us, you know, through passages like John 7, Jeremiah 17 or First Timothy chapter six, or, you know, the different passages that Sue shared. So I want us to kind of reflect on that as we think about Jesus is, is it's just letting the love of God, letting the words of God, the, the encouragement of God, the, the path that's the life that's truly life. Nothing compares to it. And God wants to give us even more. And God wants to help us to experience even more of that. What does that mean for us personally? Let's reflect on that. We'll say, we'll say a, a prayer here and then we'll, and, uh, we'll uh, take and enjoy communion together. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you would help each and every one of us connect with you in a very real way. Father, I, I, I my prayer for all of us is that you become more and more real to us every single day. Father, this is a big part of it. It's taking physical elements that represent you and represent your son. Uh, the bread and the juice and uh, connecting with you a little bit more deeply uh, for us so we can know your love even a little bit more profoundly and simply and practically in our lives. Father, thank you. And Father, move by your spirit as we enjoy this communion time together. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.